Welcome everyone back to the Brocast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am coming to you once again, mere moments after a UCLA loss. This one to Stanford, uh, 48-47, uh, in double overtime. Um, game finally ended on uh, Chip Kelly going for two. Uh, which I thought was a totally defensible decision, and uh, they ended up about half a yard short on the Britton Brown run. Um, was a really, uh, I would be, I'm reluctant to say interesting game. Um, it was high scoring, clearly, with the uh, double overtime. Uh, it was back and forth, um, but not in like a really fun way. In like one team dominated the first half, one team dominated the second half, uh, and then it was some poor play late that kind of cost UCLA a. Um, a uh, pretty nice come from behind win. Um, okay, so breaking it down by the halves. First half, it looked like classic UCLA um, in the game after USC. Just energy level seemed extremely low defensively um, and offensively just didn't look sharp at all. Um, you know, not getting really anything going downfield. Um, Thompson Robinson running the ball okay, mostly on scramble stuff. Um, but not really able to take advantage of the Stanford defense the way we thought they would or should. Um, you can attribute whatever amount of that you want to Demetric Felton being out, but I think the fact that Britton Brown went for like 219 yards with most of that in the second half um, points to uh, you didn't need Felton to have a good game against this defense. Um, they just didn't look sharp. They didn't look focused, and uh, I think that's really what the story was. Uh, and then defensively, um, just... You know, they, they didn't look particularly good in that first half, um, allowing, you know, way too much through the air, but also on the ground to Austin Jones. Um, and the end result was a 20-3 to uh, halftime lead for Stanford that honestly felt like it should have been more, um, but 20-3. Uh, to And then UCLA in the second half. So Dorian Thompson-Robinson goes down at the end of the first half. Um, looks like, you know, some sort of leg injury, possibly a knee. Um, and I wouldn't say he played poorly to that point. Um, he was running the ball well. He was 8 of 12 for 65 yards. He wasn't, like, awful. Um, but the offense itself wasn't running very well. So Chase Griffin comes in in the second half, and suddenly the whole offense is gangbusters, like sort of what I was expecting coming into the game, knowing how bad the Stanford uh, defense was. And so it makes you think, again, kind of going back to the whole classic Griffin versus Thompson-Robinson thing, this thing just seems to run better with Griffin at quarterback. Like the whole offense just seems to, you know, things just look smoother. Um, the run game looks better with him in there, which is kind of weird because Thompson Robinson is much more of a run threat in his own right. So you would think having him as a run threat, especially on that read option game, that would make the whole running game better. But um no, it's, it's kind of the opposite. With Griffin in there, I don't know if it's the reads, if it's just decision-making, whatever. You know, take your pick. Um, but the whole whole offense started to really pick it up. Um, and he was hitting some throws. I mean, he was 9 of 11 for 127 yards. He connected with Dulcich for a touchdown in regulation and then won in overtime. Uh, that great throw to Kyle Phillips uh, to make it 48-47 before the ill-fated two-point conversion. Um, there was a lot to like there uh, from what he was doing throwing the ball. I didn't notice, you know, we've talked about his arm strength, but frankly, I mean, up to 20, 25 yards downfield, I didn't see the ball fluttering too much. I thought he looked really sharp and good. Um, 
Yeah, so uh, there were a few weird things, I think, just from a uh, standpoint of he hadn't played a bunch and he hadn't played a bunch with Britton Brown. Um, Their exchanges got weird. There was the one fumble, which was obviously critical, and that was, um, I would put more on Griffin uh, making the wrong read there. But also, with the exchange there, I don't think they had a great feel for each other because there were other exchanges um, in the game where it just didn't, it didn't look smooth. Um, so if you were watching closely, you, you might have even been able to predict the uh, the uh, there would be some sort of fumble or issue at some point. And, and Griffin wasn't handling the ball super cleanly. Um, you know, there were a couple of snaps where he just kind of bobbled it before riding himself. So, you know, a couple of things. But for the most part, I thought he played more or less flawless football. Um, uh, what else? Um yeah, so the second half, um, Griffin coming in there really righted the ship for the offense. And then defensively, um, I thought they started to um, have a better feel for what Stanford was trying to do. They started sitting on routes a little bit more um, in the secondary, stopped respecting those receivers so much, stopped respecting Davis Mills so much, which I think was the right call because Davis Mills, for all the hype, frankly, not that good. Um, and, uh, you know, I think those receivers, they're big and strong, but I think you can... Uh, cheat a little bit on him, and I think UCLA started to do that in the second half, uh, which led to two of the interceptions, but also that um, the pick six uh, by Jay Shaw, which was obviously critical. Um, but yeah, late, uh, you know, I think they kind of called off the dogs on that one Stanford long drive, which um, gave them a score, and I, I understand why they did it, you know, with that amount of time left, you're not thinking Stanford's going to do it. Um, and then it was really the the screwed up exchange between Griffin and Brown um, that gave Stanford the opportunity to drive it on that final drive. Um, and you know that's that's bad luck. That's having a ba- that's having two backups in there as well as a backup center. Like it's just you know weird stuff will happen when you've got a lot of guys out. Um, so that was unfortunate. And then in overtime, um, like I said, I, I I I'm fully with Chip Kelly going for two there. That's fine. Um, you know I. I Again, just think about it. They're down their starting center. They're down um, Dorian Thompson Robinson. They're down Demetrius Felton. Just, you know, if this gets into a shootout, you're not feeling good about covering Fajoko a bunch more. So, yeah, um, I'm fine with trying to win it there. Um, it, it seemed like they didn't vary the play call after. Um, so they did the first one, which was going to be a throw. And then they lined up um, in basically just the two wide receiver looked like an ace formation, um, getting ready to hand it off to Britton Brown. Um, and then it was called dead for a review that didn't happen. But then they just lined up again for the exact same thing. So I think Stanford probably had an idea what was coming. Um, would have liked maybe a very... I, I don't mind running there. I would have just like... You showed him a look, show him something different than um, the third time you line up. Um, but that's, you know, I'm not a football coach. That's just a nitpick. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a, a disappointing finish to the season, um, in some respects, uh, especially that first half, just the classic UCLA of, um, you know, just kind of showing up or not showing up, um, showing up super flat, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but to rally then in the second half, um, behind Griffin, um, and show that level of, you know, fight and tenacity, that's good to see. So it was a mixed bag, um, but uh, it still ended with kind of a another to put in the uh, the pantheon of brutal losses to Stanford because this one it had some brutality to it. Like you, you've got the two touchdown lead with what was it like four minutes to go, something like that, um, and then 
just the way Stanford was completing some of these balls, like how many, like just kind of in the cradle of his arm, one-armed catches did Fajoko have in this game, um, including the go-ahead touchdown at the end in the in the double overtime. Just, you know, it was kind of classic Stanford stuff happening at different points. This isn't a classic Stanford team. I think the 47 points UCLA scored speaks to that, but um, certainly some some classic uh, Stanford versus UCLA emotions it brought out in me. Um, yeah, so uh, Chip Kelly ends three and four, so third straight losing season, um, which isn't great. Um, that leaves UCLA 10 and 21 in the Chip Kelly era, which obviously isn't great. Um, but, you know, yeah, I, I think this game means something. Um, I think the players for that first half didn't, necessarily play as if it meant a lot to them um but i think for chip kelly's resume and everything it does mean something um i think it would have been critical um for his stability and future and all that kind of stuff to win one of these last two um i i don't think there's any chance he's not getting a fourth year um but uh setting it up so that fourth year feels more like a, a continuation of a surge than you know potentially a hot seat year I think it was it it was it would have been big I think to get one of these two wins um I may and maybe that's understating it so we'll see um we head into a pretty long off season now or a normal sized off season but with only seven games behind us it's gonna feel longer um and then we'll see hopefully next year can be a full and complete football season and we don't have to worry about any of the other uh you know obviously huge global issues that have made this season. So flippin' weird the entire way through. Um, all right. Well, I hope everyone out there is uh, safe and happy and enjoying the beginning of uh, the Christmas season. And um, you know what? Let's share a little bit about the basketball game today. Um, the basketball game was eminent, significantly more disappointing than this one um, from like just uh, watching the game, um, just... UCLA so close at different points, and it was such a high-level game. This one was kind of a sloppy mess, the football game. Uh, but basketball, it was really a high-level game. Uh, it felt, as the announcer said at one point, like a late-March game between two you know, pretty good teams. And uh, UCLA just ultimately, I thought they just got out physical by um, Ohio State. Uh, got pounded inside, especially late. Um, Jalen Hill, I didn't think, showed up particularly well on interior D, but neither did Cody Riley. But you... You expect more from Hill, um, and I think he got kind of bodied um, on the inside. Um, and then, you know, I think, um, and I think this is probably something that's going to happen, would be my guess, but um, I think you got to experiment with a lineup where Chris Smith starts off the bench. Um, and not because, not to like punish him or anything, but I think first, right now, Jules Bernard is playing better basketball. And second, um, they, they had him on the bench a couple of games last year, and I thought it sparked him a little bit. And uh, right now, I think he needs to kind of embrace a role more than kind of this pervasive do-everything guy that I think he feels pressure to be. Um, because right now, and maybe in the future, maybe if he's ever going to have a career in the NBA, he's a 3 and D guy. Like, he's a catch-and-shoot and then go play good defense. Um, and right now, I don't think he's playing particularly good defense, and he's not embracing that catch-and-shoot role on the other end. Um he doesn't really have much of a handle. That's not something that improved much in the offseason. If anything, it looks higher and looser this year. Um, I don't like it when he drives at all. And last year, when he was under control, 
you know, he'd still get picked on occasion, but when he was under control, he was playing some okay, you know, drive basketball. Now he's not. Um, so I would really like him to just kind of catch and shoot in the corner, see if he can start hitting those with some, you know, frequency, and then see if that opens things up a little bit more for you. Um, because he's a good shooter. Uh, I think he's proven that so far this year. Um, and maybe that's something he could build off of to kind of regain confidence in his game. Um, but I thought just his absence as a player, um, in this one was significant. Um, and it made it kind of put everybody else kind of in a pressure spot. Um, I thought Hawkes and, and Campbell forced some things late, um, shooting wise that Jalen Hill had that awful turnaround, uh, jumper from the baseline. That was, um, you know, pretty fugly. Um, and I think it just, it, it kind of bled out from that, you know, just, um, I think Smith not, not being able to get anything going whatsoever and then also forcing it. Um, so there were just wasted possessions. So, um, but really, I mean, it was a lot of the physicality of Ohio State that I think was bothering UCLA. Um, Hawkes, who I thought played well for the most part, I think he was worn down by the end of the game. And so a lot of those shots he was taking, um, he wasn't quite as, as you know, full-legged on as he should have been. So they were missing short or just trying to put too much on him with his arms and then it was getting bounced off the back rim. But just, he looked kind of beat by the end of the game. Um, and understandably, that was a tough physical team. Um, but I think my main takeaway and the optimistic takeaway, but my main takeaway is that um, UCLA, uh, it feels like it did when, when Howland would lose a game, um, when Howland was good, which was ugh, just brutally disappointing, but it was almost invariably against a good team. And secondly, you could pick out like a few few one-off things that happened that would have changed it. Um, and I think, you know, did UCLA play its by far best game? No. I don't think they played anywhere near as bad defensively as the stats would indicate. I thought Ohio State hit some just every time they got a sliver of open, they were hitting the shot. And I think that's just, you know, not to go into the lab and magical shooting thing, but come on. I mean, that one good, that one dude who kept hitting those open threes um, at the end of the game He'd made like two shots all year. Um, so it's just, you know, sometimes you do get a little unlucky on top of everything else. And I think they did tonight. Um, but, you know, they've got to be better than that, um, especially if they're not going to have um, some true number one option offensively. You know, Johnny Juzang hopefully is that guy at some point and hopefully is that guy at some point this year. But he's not that guy yet. Um, you know, he can come off the curls and he can he can hit some shots, um, but he's not hitting threes. Um, he's not really creating his own shots. Um, and Chris Smith is, it just kind of went through, I don't think can be that guy right now. So they've got to play team first basketball on the offensive end, and they've got to be much closer to perfect defensively. Um, and you know, today was far from perfect. I don't think it was bad, but it was far from perfect. So anyway, that's it for the disappointing Saturday in UCLA sports. And, uh, I will talk to y'all again next time. Bye.